It's January 24th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam, and it's my joy to be reading through the scriptures with you. We truly appreciate hearing from those who are participating in our Bible tour. I would like to read some of the responses we have had by email. One person responded, quote, I have learned afresh that we were made in the image of God. God originally created us to be like Jesus Christ. He is the image of God perfectly expressed. Now that I have been born of the Holy Spirit, He is making me more like Jesus. And the scriptures were Romans 8.29 and 2 Corinthians 4.4, Colossians 1.15 and Hebrews 1.3. Another reader wrote, I saw that God's pattern for marriage, family, and the church is to reflect the community of oneness that exists within the Trinity. Another person wrote, I saw that the first woman was originally in the first man, made of the same essence as the first man, bone of his bone, extracted from the first man, to be brought alongside the first man, to be the beloved co-regent of the first man, in Genesis 2, 21-23. As the first woman was to the first man, the church is to the second man. The first woman foreshadows the church as the bride of Christ, even as the first man foreshadows the second man, Jesus Christ, our heavenly bridegroom. In 1 Corinthians 15.47, The church is the bride, taken out of the wounded side of the second man, purchased by his blood, in Acts 20, verse 28. She is bone of his bone, born of his spirit, a partaker of his nature, for we are members of his body, in Ephesians 5, verse 30, and 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Ephesians 5.29-32 Another person wrote and said, I saw that no sooner had mankind fallen into sin than God sprang into action to promise redemption and execute his plan to cover man's sin and reverse the curse. That plan would ultimately be fulfilled by the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15, the virgin-born Son of God of the line of Seth, meaning the appointed substitute in Genesis 4.25. The prophesied Messiah would come through the line of Seth, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and King David. Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. He comes to finish the work of redemption that the Father set in motion. My Father is working until now, Jesus said, and I am working. On the cross, Jesus would declare that the prophecies concerning the seed of the woman had come to completion, saying, It is finished. In John 19.30, Our Redeemer was bruised for our iniquities, but Satan's head was crushed by our Redeemer. And now let us open our Bibles to today's reading in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 48. And we're going to witness the blessing of the sons of Abraham, as well as his grandchildren. After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, 
God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me, and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make of you a company of peoples, and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons, who were born to you in the land of Egypt, before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Padan, to my sorrow Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons, whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand, and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys, and in them let my name be carried on, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God has made you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you rather than to your brothers one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. Chapter 49 Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the firstfruits of my strength preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. Unstable as water, you shall not have preeminence. 
because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. O my glory, be not joined to their company. For in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob, and scatter them in Israel. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as a lioness, who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Binding his foal to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine, and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun shall dwell at the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall be at Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey, crouching between the sheepfolds. He saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, so he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant at forced labor. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backward. I wait for your salvation, O Lord. Raiders shall raid Gad, but he shall raid at their heels. Asher's food shall be rich, and he shall yield royal delicacies. Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved, his arms were made agile by the hands of the Mighty One of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your Father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you, with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your Father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents, up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning devouring the prey and at evening dividing the spoil. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. Then he commanded them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephon the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field at Machpelah, to the east of Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with a field from Ephon the Hittite to possess as a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. 
and there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is in it were bought from the Hittites. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Today we read in Genesis 49 of Jacob blessing his sons and accurately prophesying that the Messiah would come through the line of Judah, saying, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Jesus truly is the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, in Revelation 5.5. How much did Jacob and his family understand God's great redemptive plan? By this time, the promise given to Abraham in Genesis 12.7 had been renewed in Genesis 13, verse 15, and chapter 15, verse 7, and sealed with an oath in Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 to 18, and a covenant in Genesis 15, 18, and chapter 17, verses 4 to 8. This promise was renewed again as the Lord appeared to Abraham's son Isaac in Genesis 26, verses 2 to 5, and then later to Jacob in Genesis 28, verses 12 to 15. Jacob remembers this promise as he is in his last days and prophesies over his family in Genesis 48, verse 4. There's an interesting incident recorded in Genesis 48 in which Jacob adopts and blesses his grandsons Ephraim and Manasseh. The two grandsons are accepted and treated with the full privileges and tribal rights as sons. They are the children of Joseph and were born in Egypt, but are legally decreed as belonging to Jacob by adoption, with the full privileges due the sons of Israel. It reminds us of the full inheritance and covenant blessings won by the chosen firstborn of the new creation, Jesus Christ, in Colossians 1, verse 15 and 18, and Romans chapter 8, verse 29, and Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6, that are freely conferred upon us, the blessings of sonship. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. In Romans 8, verses 15-17. to 17. The prophecy that had been given to Rebekah while she was carrying twins in her womb was that the elder, Esau, would serve the younger, Jacob. You may remember that the first sighting we have of Jacob is when he is born grabbing Esau by the heel. That's where he gets his name, Jacob, meaning heel catcher. This is a fitting picture because Jacob spends the first part of his life taking matters into his own hands and deceiving others. He continually fights for what was already his as a free gift by divine decree. He is continually wrestling in his own strength and getting in the way of God who wants to bless him freely. Then, when Isaac sends him to get a bride for the rest of his life, Jacob finds that matters are no longer in his hand. He is no longer in control, and he is deceived by others and victimized by his deceiving relatives on all sides. Now, at the end of his life, he is a picture of a man who has been dealt with by God. He is under control, but not the control of his deceitful flesh that insists on wrestling for a blessing, nor the control of his relatives. He will not even allow himself to be controlled by Joseph's hands, but he is under the control of God, the true blesser. 
he consciously will bless the younger by grace. Jacob denied Reuben, his firstborn, his birthright because of his adultery with Jacob's concubine, Billah, in Genesis 49, verse 4, and chapter 35, verse 22. Instead, Jacob gives the double portion to Joseph, the firstborn of his chosen bride, Rachel. The pattern represents a principle that we discover later in the New Testament. First comes that which is natural, the first man, Adam, then the spiritual, Christ, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 46. First comes that which is born of the flesh, then comes that which is born of the Spirit. First comes the righteousness of the law that condemns us all as lawbreakers, then comes the righteousness of Christ that fulfills the law and grants us a full pardon and an inheritance available to us by grace. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 45 to 50, in John chapter 3, verses 6 to 7. We will see more of this pattern as we read through the Bible. Jacob had learned by sorrow that God's will is to be done God's way and not through the deceitfulness of taking matters into one's own hands according to one's deceitful heart. It is also interesting to note that Jacob had enjoyed 17 years with his son Joseph in Hebron. Now he had the joy of 17 years with his grandsons in Egypt. He had been robbed of 22 years of life with Joseph in between, but was experiencing in his old age a double portion with Joseph and his grandsons. Now let's read from the New Testament, continuing in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 29 through chapter 16, verse 12. And we'll be looking at the feeding of the 4,000. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now these three days and have nothing to eat, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are we going to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were four thousand men, besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Chapter 16 And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. 
When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. During the first miraculous feeding of the multitude, there were five thousand men, plus women and children, fed with five loaves and two fish and twelve baskets of leftovers. Here, in the second miraculous feeding, there were four thousand men, plus women and children to be fed, with seven baskets of leftovers. Don't do the math. There's no formula. Just that with Jesus, there is more than enough to meet the need. These miracles are reminders that the Lord wants to employ His disciples to meet needs. We are to bring all that we have, no matter how meager, and put it in His hands. He knows how to use it, and we can trust Him to do miraculous things. Jesus warns His disciples to be on their guard about the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Matthew 16, verse 6. Once again, He gives the Pharisees and Sadducees the warning that the only sign He will give them is the sign of Jonah in Matthew 12, verse 39, and here again in chapter 16, verse 4. The yeast that Jesus tells His disciples to be on guard against is the false teaching of religion that deceives people into accepting a religion of adherence to practical principles, precepts, piety, and rituals without a relationship with Christ through repentance and faith. Now reading from Psalms, another heart cry from David, Trust in the name of the Lord our God, to the choir master, a psalm of David. Psalm 20, verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the King. May He answer us when we call. Our earlier reading today from the book of Genesis informs our interpretation of this psalm. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. The God of Jacob promises salvation. The Lord protected Jacob from getting the punishment he deserved. The Lord protected Jacob from getting his own way but in the end he gave him the desire of his heart. Psalm 20, verse 4. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. In the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it reads, 
May he give you what your heart desires and fulfill your whole purpose. This psalm is an encouragement to diligent prayer. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions in verse 5. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. In James 4, verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. In the psalmist's day, they could say some trust in chariots and some in horses. Today we could say some trust in their bank accounts, their social status, or their good works. Some trust in politics or technology, but we trust in the name, which means the nature of our God, in Psalm 20, verse 7. And we conclude with a reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verses 20 to 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So as we go into this day, let's receive this fatherly counsel and give proper attention to the Word of God. Rehearse it, memorize it, meditate upon it, and watch over your heart with all diligence, because from it flows the springs of life. The Holy Spirit sheds abroad the love of God. May we find our hearts growing tender and more loving today, and may we become more like Jesus. Let's pray. God of Jacob, you have shown yourself faithful in all your dealings. You encourage us to trust you. Forgive us for the times that we lean on our own understanding, rely on our own cleverness, and insist on the presumed superiority of our schedules, our opinions, and our imaginations. Help us to give due attention to your words. May your gospel truth and abiding presence keep us forever on track and in perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a blessing to be reading the Word of God together with you today, and God willing, we'll be back tomorrow as we press on with the one-year Bible tour. I always like to remind you that we provide a free service, sending out a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading with color maps, charts, and illustrations that folks find helpful. You can subscribe to this free email by going to our website, newlife.org. And you can always contact us by email as our email address is podcast at newlife.org. We are happy to answer your questions, receive your feedback and comments, or learn more about how we can be praying for you. Also, you can help us in our mission to spread the Word of God through this podcast by indicating it's a blessing to you, subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, leaving a review, or giving us a like. We trust that the rest of your day be full of inspiration and that you will seize each moment as a gift from God and share the joy. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Shalom.